Sales Tuners, episode 125, Jen Etherton, Vice President of Sales at Clara. I can just sense on the other side of the phone, she reviews my resume and is like, wait a minute, hold on, hold on, hold on. You only have one year of sales experience and you don't even live in Texas. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown, the only weekly show where we talk about the attitude, action, and ability that gets sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. It's time. It's time. It's Sales Tuners time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Paul Soderberg, who said, more than mere teachers, mentors, or often emancipators, freeing artists from poor technique, clouded vision, and personal uncertainty. Today's guest was born in Farmville, Virginia. Yes, that's a real place. And she was once a contestant on Nickelodeon Slime Time Live. Her passion for selling and fascination with consumer behavior led Jen Etherton to become Vice President of Sales at Clara. While continuing to learn every day from multiple people around her, Jen focuses her time on selling into medical practices that are having staff inefficiencies. In this conversation, you're going to hear about how to mimic the behaviors you see in other successful people, learn to identify the areas in your own performance that are ripe for improvement, and how to be honest about not having all the answers. All right, make sure you stick around until the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can also check out all the links and show notes at salesooners.com slash 125. But now let's get to the conversation where Jen found herself not fitting any part of a job description for a new role she was applying for. The commercials, I just remember seeing these red curtains and it would take two people through all the different adventures that they could go on. And those adventures were presented to them through this daily deal platform called Living Social. And it was initially the commercials that that, that drew me, I'll be honest, and I was fascinated by uh, the daily deal uh, platform and, and that idea. And so I was desperate to work for this company. So I go online, I look to see if they're hiring, and they are. They're hiring in a few states at the time, one of which was Texas. But I look at the job description, and one of the requirements is that you had to have been in sales for, uh, I think it was like three to five years or something along those lines. And um, you also had to be somebody that was an expert in the city that you were selling in. So they had account executives nationwide in the various cities. And I had never even, I had never even been to Texas. Uh, so I applied anyways. Um, I said, you know, why not? I'm going to put in my application. We'll see what happens. Um, Somehow got a call with one of the recruiters at Living Social. I stood out firstly because I was by far, um, I I was definitely one of the younger candidates that was there. Somehow made it through that round. And then my final round was with um, the person who would have been my, my director of sales. And um, it was a phone call. And so I get on this phone screen and I'm feeling pretty good about myself at this point. I'm thinking, okay, I've made it through all the hard rounds. This is the final step. I've done the in-person. I've done the role play. I got this. And I get on the call. I get on the call and, and like she, I can tell, is kind of maybe doing a couple other things. She's like looking at my resume. And I, I don't know if, if she had reviewed it ahead of time or not, but I can just sense on the other side of the phone. She reviews my resume and is like, wait a minute, hold on, hold on, hold on. You only have one year of sales experience and you don't even live in Texas. Yeah, that that's true. And, uh, you know, I don't know how 
you even landed on my desk. This is not at all you know, what we're looking for. You have none of the requirements that we're, <laughs> that we're looking for. Uh, you don't meet any of the requirements that we're looking for. You don't have the sales experience that we're looking for. And you're not even from Texas. You have to know know the city um, in order to, to be able to sell in the city and speak to our businesses. And it basically was like, there's no point in us having a conversation. My pitch at that point was, we've already blocked out 30 minutes Give me the 30 minutes that I've worked so hard to earn. Give me, give me this 30 minutes. And she ended up giving me the job. And then I, I went to training. I put, you know, I put in my two weeks. I went to training. And then at the training was one week in DC. And then on that Friday when training ended, I drove to San Antonio and I was there for about three years as an account executive for Living Social. I think you showed some of the the skills that you have during that sales process of of selling yourself. But what separates you, Jen, from other salespeople today? My first day as a salesperson to this day, and I know every day moving forward in my career, I am always learning. You can't learn enough and you can't learn fast enough. So I'm trying to always absorb information in any way that I can, from whether it be mentors or just reading or talking to peers or from my employees. I learn something new every day from my employees. And I'm like, gosh, I wish I wish I knew that when I was a salesperson, I would have been even better. So always, always trying to learn. Can, can you give me more of an example of that? I mean, I, you mentioned you know, mentors and books and, and coworkers, stuff like that. But can, can you give me a specific example of how you have intentionally gone to learn something new or how you continuously challenge yourself to learn more? When I was a sales executive, I immediately started to, I, I sought out who the best account executive was at Snag at the time and just started to basically copy what that person did. Um, I didn't quite have the the confidence to approach my peers at that time who were, you know, the number one salesperson at this company who had over a hundred salespeople. I didn't quite have the confidence at the time to approach this person and say, how do you do what you do? Um, so I just copied them and I mimicked what they did and I watched them and I learned from them. And then from there, it progressed to, to uh, managers and, and asking them, like, how did you get to where you are? What did you do? And, and now I use, uh, I use mentors um, for v- multiple reasons, whether it's people management and advice there, whether it is uh, reporting and metrics and all that kind of fun stuff that comes with this role. But yeah, constantly, constantly talking to people. And then I, um, Google is, I mean, Google is so easy. Whatever it is that you're looking to learn, type it into the Google search bar. And um, funny enough, something comes up. And, and so that's, that's another, another source. Yeah, you know, it's, it's fascinating to me. So uh, Google definitely is great for, for all of us. But I have a five-year-old son. Right. And he, he's just now starting to learn how to, to read. And, and that's intentional because if you can't read, you can't type. But yeah, he's had his own iPad now for like two to three years. And whenever he wants to learn something, he literally gets on his iPad, goes to YouTube, uses the microphone to speak to Google and say, or, you know, to, to YouTube, say, how do you do this? Or how do you do that? And then he'll sit there and watch a video for 30 minutes to figure Amazing. out how to do something. Right. And I am floored by this because, you know, he's got a game, Minecraft. I know I'm going down far, far afield here, but he's got a game called Minecraft. I've never played. I have no clue about it. And he will sit here and watch a video and come to me and say, Dad, will you help me do this specific thing? And I'm like, holy cow, dude, you put in that much work. Yeah, I'll help you do that. Let's figure it out together. So it's fascinating to me. But yes, we can take control of that learning and really go get any information we want today. You mentioned mentors, Jen, being uh, a huge uh, part of the success that you've had. You've credited a lot of your six to them. How do you go about actually finding them? 
right? And then once you do find them, how do you know what to talk about, right? Like I know that we all want to learn a whole bunch of stuff, but sometimes we feel uh, kind of like there's an awkward silence, like, okay, like give me all the information, but how do you start that process? I would say it's certainly um, how I approach mentorship has definitely evolved throughout my career. When I was starting out um, as an account executive, I spotted the number one sales executive at the company. And at that time, it was more of mimicking what this person was doing and observing what this person was doing. The way that this person held themselves, how they spoke, what they said, um, how they treated customers, how they really articulated the value of the service that we were selling and the and the passion that was behind it. And then that led into asking questions about you know the areas that I found to be my weak areas, you know, hey, I'm struggling with discovery. How do you do it? And how do you sound so natural when you do it? I'm having trouble with negotiating. What are your tips and tricks for handling for handling that? Um, and then it evolved more into uh, please provide me honest feedback <laughs> and um, be as, uh, you know, as transparent as possible. I think from an observation standpoint, that doesn't even have to be somebody you work with on a daily basis. That, that could be somebody on the internet, right? You could observe through TED Talks. You could observe through financial statements if it's a public company, something along those lines. But then once you've observed, now you're actually looking at the gaps you have. Now you can ask specific questions, right? And the, the reason why I'm loving this conversation, Jen, is because I've seen before where you know I, I see someone who has success. I'm like, and why are, how are you so successful? What have you done to make yourself so successful? And that's such a broad question, right? Like some people ask me that question, like, I don't know how to answer that question, right? But once I've identified some of the gaps I know I have, now I can ask that specific question. So I love that. And then you got into the point of getting that critical feedback. And one, I applaud you for being open to and willing to, to, to take that feedback, but then being willing to just actually ask for it. I find a lot of sales reps won't even ask for it. But when you do, people are willing to give you that feedback. You mentioned in there... Um, this, this notion of mimicking, right? And what I find fascinating in the previous conversations you and I have had, you talked about how a failure you've had or maybe a mistake that you've made is that just assuming that your path to success could easily be replicated or someone else could just take what you do and go do it. But you found now in a management position that it's not actually the case. Can, can you talk more about that? One of the, um, the mistakes that I made um, that I learned from very quickly is so I get this shot at being a manager and I know that my job is to make the account executives successful for them to hit their numbers, but for them to also um, to, to sell to the right people, to sell in the right ways, to drive value to, for customers so that those customers are successful, you know, after their conversation with the salesperson ends. And I made the mistake of uh, sort of just assuming, okay, everything I did as an account executive, I'm just going to have... These account executives do the exact same thing. They're probably motivated in all the same ways and by all the same things that I I've always been motivated by. And so I'm just going to take everything I did and just have them do the exact same thing. And then, boom, that should lead to a successful team. We'll have a bunch of uh, Jennifers uh, you know, for my sales team. That did not happen. And that, that is not the case. Um, the very first thing that I found out is um, I sat down with every single member of my sales team and I said, okay, 
let's talk about, you know, when you hit your number, this means that you get this big fat commission check. I'm sure that really excites you. And I found that not everybody was as motivated um, as the next person by money. And so that was the first aha moment for me. Okay, wow, people are motivated by different things. And so first it was a matter of, well, what motivates you? Why are you in sales? Um, what motivates you to, to do this every single day? What excites you about your job? What do you hate about your job? Um, and let's start there. And then even like tactically speaking, I learned that uh, salespeople, they, they all have a different approach to things. You have some who are naturally bubbly and energetic and um, and they carry their conversations in the way that they're they're just chatting with a friend and it's it's pleasant the entire time. And then you have salespeople who are direct and they're super smart. And, and for them, it's about getting down to, to the ROI and, and being really like specific and direct and, and their sales approach. And so for me, I had to learn like, wow, um, salespeople all have their own way of selling and, and I need to, to tailor my approach to meet the needs of, of that salesperson. There's a, a good friend of mine. Uh, her name is Jenny Vance. And, and she told she called what you're talking about right now this paint like Picasso problem. And that is you can't just look at a, a Picasso painting and tell somebody, it's like, just do that, right? It's never going to happen. It's never going to come out and look like a Picasso. But I think any of us who've had any amount of success in our career, we get to that point where it's like, just do these three things and it will work. Why can't you just see that, right? And, but as you said, everyone does have their own personality. Everyone does have their own way of going about it. They have their own way of thinking about stuff. I think oftentimes we actually even confuse, you know, the experience that we have and assume that everyone else around us has had those same shared experiences. And then that leads into things you talked about, the motivations. Do they have those also same motivations? And it's just not the case. So I'd love that you're you're willing to uh, to, to share that. I think that's also led into this notion, uh, Jen, you've had many people invest in you, right? In, into your career. And sometimes that, you know, with that comes the fear of letting those people down. How do you handle that, right? Because right now you are giving to others, but you've had many give to you. So how do you overcome that fear? I actually, I wouldn't say that I've fully overcome it. I think that it's something that I, um, I work on every day. I do have a pretty uh, consistent fear of failing people who have invested in me. And, th- and this can be, you know, my superiors. Uh, so the, the co-founders that I work for, this could be my, my employees, my peers, my, my board, my mentors. Um, these are people who have really taken a chance on me. And so I'm working every day to overcome the fear of failing them. What I have found to, um, to help is to be as transparent as possible as I can with everyone, you know? So I, I always take the approach of, um, I, I know what I know, but I don't know everything. And, and by being honest in saying that, it, whether it is you with, whether it is your employees or your board and, and kind of saying like, look, this is what I know to be true, but this is what is still very much unknown for me. I have found that it's, um, received much, much better than maybe I thought going into it. I think that sometimes, sometimes I think we just fear like not knowing the answer is going to be seen as a weakness when really it should be seen as a strength. Um, your ability to be that self-aware. What do you, what do you say to, uh, you know, the sales reps, maybe sales reps on your team or sales reps that are listening to this show about what you just said, that, that notion of not having the answer and it being okay. How would you encourage them to have that conversation? I tell my team all the time, I don't expect you to know everything. I really don't because I don't know everything. So I certainly don't expect you to know everything, but I do expect you to come to me um, with the things that you don't know so that I can help you or that I can find the resources to help you. So it comes back to just being 
honest and just knowing that transparency is what is going to lead to your success. Managers do not hire people with the expectation that they know everything. For us, what's the most fulfilling is is being able to develop somebody and and watch them grow and and watch them come on board and say, look, this is what I'm great at. This is what I don't know. And, and then to watch that evolve over time. I want to wrap up our conversation general with this uh, idea of transitioning into management, right? I got plenty of sales reps uh, listening to our conversation today thinking, you know, the next thing for me is like, I want to, I want to be a leader. I want to get into management. And, and I just don't think that's the path for everybody. What, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? Like, how do you know if management's the right path for you? And if it's not, what, what do you do with those reps? I've always run into this as well with account executives um, who they come on board, they're an account executive for maybe a year, and they're so certain that they want to be a manager of a sales team. And it's then they do it. And it's very different than maybe what they thought. It's not just, you know, coaching your 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 peers, there's a lot more to it. So what I would say to account executives who have an interest in being managers, ask whoever your current manager is for a development path. This is something that I, I do currently um, with my team. The development path is this. The timeline you know, can be whatever you want to make it or whatever your manager wants to make it. For us, it's about three months. Um, so if an account executive says, hi, I have interest in being a manager, um, first and foremost, this is a person who is consistently hitting his or her number because you have to do your job first and then um, the other opportunities come after. And it's about a three-month process where we um, where we test the different skill sets that would be required to be a manager. And we focus on different things at different times. So the first thing that I do is I sit down with an account executive. I say, okay, you tell me what you think the, the things that a manager does. What do you think the responsibilities of a manager are? They list those out. We pair that with the things that um, are the responsibilities of a manager. Um, and then we come up with the list. And this is usually a, a list of, of skills or um, tactical things that, that a manager has to do day to day. And then we kind of go through and we score based off the account executive's well, self-awareness where that person thinks that they fall. And then I also give a scoring. So whether it's time management, whether it's um, coaching and mentoring peers, things of that nature. And then what we do is we put together usually about a three-month development plan where it's, you know, for one week or for two weeks, we're going to focus on this one area. Maybe that area is coaching. So how do we test for that? How do we experiment with this? Uh, I would make the account executive a peer to or a, a mentor to one of the new hires or maybe have them uh, maybe have them put together and lead a training. Uh, something along those lines, just something to where we can get them exercising those coaching skill sets. And then the next week we move on to another area of focus. And then at the end of the at the end of the three month development plan, and you know we're constantly checking in. How do you think you did here? Here's my feedback. I think you did great, or I think that there's a lot of room for improvement. So we probably need to test this for another week. At the end of the three month plan, these are the these are the outcomes that I've seen. Either one, you have an account executive who maybe didn't do that well at the different test and they're able to see it because they're very much a part of it. They bought into it from the very beginning. They helped you come up with the plan and you're giving them instant feedback. Uh, you know, this is what worked and this is what didn't work. And so they're able to see that, wow, okay, I didn't really do that well 
with this development plan. And they're, they're usually um, self-aware that they need more time to learn um, the skills that are required to be um, a successful manager. The second thing that can happen is they self-select out of being a manager. Um, this actually happens more frequently than you might imagine. Interesting. Yeah, the account executive, they go through the development plan and they're like, wow, coaching people is hard. Giving feedback is much more tough than I thought it was going to be. I thought that was going to be easy to look somebody in the eyes and say, you're just, you know, you could do better with discovery um, or you could maybe change how you're doing this. Um, so I do see people self-select out of out of the managerial role. Or three, best case scenario, and my favorite scenario is you have just developed a world-class manager who is now going to be leading one of your sales teams. That first notion of just the self-awareness of the gaps that they have, because even if they do self-select out, they've now made themselves aware of how they can improve. And so they could actually become a better AE by trying to go down that path and then opting out of it. Or as you said, they do become that great manager. I find that a lot of the reps... Uh, they want to go down that management path because one, they just assume that's the next uh, step in their career, but also because they assume that uh, leadership or, or manager, sales managers get paid more. And I've very, and I want to get your thoughts on this, but I've often seen the individual contributor should make more money than their manager. Is that the case with, with what you've seen as well? 100%. That is one of the first things that I say to account executives when they say, hi, I'm interested in a managerial role. I say, is it because you want to make more money? And if they say yes, I say, well, you're not going to. Our salespeople make more. So you're 100% correct. Um, if you want to be a manager, do not do it because you think you're going to make more money. Um, you have to do it for other reasons. It's interesting to me when I was earlier in my career, I had several people reaching out to me to come be a sales manager, VP of sales or director of sales, et cetera. And I would turn it down and be like, no, thanks. I am not interested in a pay cut. Yes. And it was, it, it, it was true though, right? Because I saw that, uh, that next path. So yeah, I want to just stay on that topic real quick of the financial gain, right? So salespeople, if, if they're good, they learn how to create wealth, right? They learn how to create revenue. But I don't feel like we actually talk about that that often, right? Like, what what is that taboo? Why is there so much taboo around still talking about money in a financial role? I wish I knew the answer to that, but you're, it's so true. Um, so much so that um, I now have started to incorporate that in my interview process where I ask, I ask candidates, what is a lot of money to you? And I gauge their comfort level with answering the question. You know, if you, sometimes you have candidates who respond and say, oh, gosh, you know, you can tell they're super uncomfortable with 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 answering what is a lot of money to them. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know why this is something that uh, we're uncomfortable talking about. But deep down, when you talk to account executives and you really get to understand um you know, why they went into the role in the first place, the majority of the time, it's so that they can control their financial income. Yeah, I, I'm completely with you on that. And it's funny, my wife and I often will have, uh, you know, small quarrels about that concept, right? Like, I tell her when I work, you know, 20 more hours a week than I should, uh, versus when she works 20 more hours a week than she should, it's like, look, I can make more money by doing that. You're not, getting, you're not getting paid anymore by working 20 more hours. So why are you doing it? Jen, I've got to take a quick break to say thank you to my sponsors. When we come back, it's going to be time for the money round. So you don't go away. And sales tuners, you don't go away either. We'll be right back. Costello is pioneering the way companies build and execute sales playbooks. The platform helps sales reps prepare for calls, ask timely questions, tell relevant stories, and sync insights back to their CRM, 
all while showing managers and reps the gaps in every single deal so they can work them together to move them forward. With Costello, sales leaders can identify what's working on the front line and replicate success across their entire team. Learn more and see a demo at andcostello.com. That's A-N-D-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com. We're back and it's time for the money round. Jen, are you ready for the money round? I am ready. What's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? Learn constantly. Absorb as much knowledge as you can from as many resources as you can. So constantly be learning. If you were to start over today in sales, what would you tell yourself to spend the next 30 days doing? Talking to the customers, learning everything that you can about your customers, who they are, why they bought the service, what they love, what they don't love, how it's changed their lives. Uh, Just talking, you can never talk to your customers enough. The more you know about your customers, the more you know about your buyers, the better salesperson you'll be. Two-part question for you here. Which phrase describes you best and why? I love to win or I hate to lose? I love to win. Losing is not fun, but there's a lot that you can learn from losing. What's a book that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others? I feel like I recommend this book all the time, but it's so good because it's so actionable. Um, It's called Sales Acceleration Formula by Mark Roberge. Sales owners, if you'd like to check out Jen's suggestion of the Sales Acceleration Formula by Mark Roberge for free, head on over to salesooners.com slash book. And there you can sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. Again, that's salesooners.com slash book for the Sales Acceleration Formula. Uh, I've had Mark on the show and we broke down that book and it's absolutely one that if you uh, want to get just a snippet of it, go back and check out that one in the archive. Jen, what's currently at the top of your bucket list? to travel more. (laughs) What's the biggest piece of advice that you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today? Work hard. Work harder than the person to the left of you. Work harder to the person than the right of you. Find a mentor or mentors. But yeah, ultimately, work hard and find mentors. I thought it was awesome to hear Jen's story of applying for a job she knew she wasn't qualified for on paper, but fighting tooth and nail for the opportunity. And look where it's taken her. If you want to get in touch with Jen, she said the best way is to send her a personalized message on LinkedIn referencing something you heard in this conversation. Let's get to my top takeaways. Number one, observe the actions of others. You may not have the confidence or even the opportunity to approach others to ask them about how or why they do what they do but you can certainly observe their actions. Break down how they speak, how they hold themselves, how they treat customers, and what they do that's different than you. And these don't just have to be people in your office. With unfiltered broadband access, these observations can be people you admire online, TED speakers, or even public CEOs by way of their earnings calls and annual reports. Number two, find gaps in your own skills. It's hard for people to just tell you everything they know with general questions like, how can I get better? As you think about the next step in your career, write down the traits or responsibilities you think that role would entail. Then take a good look at your performance and see where you can improve and ask specific questions. In addition, you must be willing to hear and accept their feedback. Now, you may not agree with it, but if you get defensive or act like you know it all, well, that's a surefire way to damage the relationship. Number three, be transparent. Ready for a truth bomb? No one has all the answers. When you don't know something, be honest about it. 
Whether it's with a coworker, a leader, or even your prospects, yes, I've heard the mantra, fake it until you make it, but I have actually found that having a genuine level of vulnerability and mixing that with an insatiable appetite for curiosity leads to the right coaching, quicker career progress, and better relationships. That's it. Those are my takeaways, but I'd love to hear yours. Please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. I reply to every message that I get. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim Brown. Let's make it rain. Thank you for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. And they stay there. And they stay there.